Hey guys, welcome to Not Just a Hashtag podcast presented by Trees of Hope. I'm your host, Nicole Escobar. On this podcast, we will be discussing the epidemic of sexual abuse, its realities, and the unfiltered ways in which it has affected all of our lives. We share our personal stories and how our lives have been restored. While this podcast is for everyone, we do want to let you know that we use several trigger words, and this is geared more towards adult audiences. This podcast is for anyone who wants to educate themselves on the statistics behind sexual abuse, signs to look out for, and how to prevent it from happening. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 42 of the Not Just a Hashtag podcast. I am your host, Nicole Escobar, and today we are actually just here with Stevie Esler. Uh, Kristen Torres is not with us today. How are you doing, Stevie? Doing good, doing good. Are you excited about this topic? Oh man, <laughs> yes, because it's a it's an important one. It's one that is, a, it's normal, it's super normal. And it's, but it's probably like the least, it's probably the least talked about. It's super normal in our lives, but it's probably the least talked about whenever you're talking about abuse at the end of the day. Yes. And so just a reminder that last month we had talked about believing uh, as a survivor, there's a set of false beliefs that we have believed about either ourselves or the sexual abuse that we went through. And just to go over them again, just number one is it's my fault. So this is where a victim believes that they had done something and that is why they were sexually abused. Number two is it must have, I must have been a terrible person for him or her to have done this to me. You know, this is the type of belief where a child will believe that an adult cannot do any wrong. And it had to have been because they were a bad child, that they did something wrong, that they, you know, love their parent too much, or that they, you know, sat on their dad's lap and they're the reason, or they wore a short dress and they're the reason that the, that they were sexually abused. So if you, if you realize here, a lot of these, you know, come together where they have a lot of similarities, right? It's, it's shaming you and making you believe that you're the problem, that you were the cause for why this happened. And the third one is I wanted him or her to do this to me. This one's hard because, you know, I, most of the people that I talk to, I mean, pretty much everyone that I talk to would say, I did not want that to happen at all. What I wanted was love. What I wanted was affection, especially if it was from a family member. What I wanted was to play in, you know, the group of friends that I was playing in. What I wanted was to be at that sleepover and to, um, enjoy my time with my friends. I didn't want, you know, the father to come in and sexually abuse me. I didn't want this to happen. And taking a step further, if your body did something that it was intended to do, it was created to do like orgasm, it can give you this false belief that you wanted this to happen because your body responded in the way that it was supposed to respond to that sexual stimulation. And then the last one is number four, I didn't want it to happen, or I'm sorry, it didn't happen. I must have made it up. 
Now, this is one that I think we can just really hone in on. A lot of us, especially in the topics that we're going to be talking about today, if you minimized, if you denied the 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 thing that you went through, if you said to yourself, or if you said to people throughout the years, nothing's happened to me, it's, you know, I must have made it up. Or if you've told yourself when those thoughts came into your mind, those are false those are false memories. They never took place. I I feel like this is the one that I had the most. And I, I think, I think, I think Stevie, we have all of them. I think, you know, I'll let you talk in a minute, but we've had all of them. But where did you stay like the most in the in all of your lies that you believed or the false beliefs that you believed? Oh man, definitely a few of those. But I think the biggest one for me was, has still been that I chose, like, no, I chose it. I wanted that to happen when it's like, no, you were a kid. Like you didn't know that you, you didn't know, like you didn't want any of this to happen. You just were my, like your mind had been twisted. Um, and then also, I definitely also, I'm going through counseling at the very beginning, um, 10 years ago, one of the bigger ones too, for me was, did that happen? Am I imagining? Am I mixing? Like, am I mixing different stories with each other? Um, and I think that is totally like that does happen. Like there are situations and especially like I had, I did EMDR counseling and that was a lot of like flowing of different stories that had just all been, you know, cause it happened. So for me, it happened um, a long time ago. And so we're going back now. It stopped 23 years ago. And that's all. And I didn't start talking about it until almost 10 years ago. So it had been a long time. So, and memories, you know, shift anyways. So that was one for sure. Like, did it, did things happen? Um, and then now, and it, you know, of course. go ahead. I mean, I'm just, I can't help but like mention, but it's also like, you don't want to sit there and be like, all right, let me lean into that. Cause if it did happen, you don't want to feel like you're making stuff up, like making things bigger. Cause that's something that I know when I was walking through this, I was like, now I don't want to start making stories up in my mind that these things happened. Mm -hmm. But I think it's so important that you did lean into it and that I did as well, because the having fragmented memories is very normal for a survivor because you have to survive, right? Mm -hmm. So if your brain remembered every detail, you would be a mess. You would not be able to continue moving forward because it would overwhelm you. But having those fragmented memories, yeah. Especially as a kid, we live very fragmented lives. Yeah. So like where you're safe. I know, sorry, I'm interrupting you, but like I, one thing for me was like when I was younger, I had two different lives and I think I had two different lives even up until I was an adult and started doing counseling for, for this, where I was one person with one group of people. And then I'd be another person with another group of people. And like, and I would say I was in a safe place with my family. And so I felt very safe and like, there wasn't a lot of there, you know, of course there was going to be me disobeying and stuff like that, but I was safer in my family. And so I felt safe to say and do things where outside of my family with friends, that's where I was honest. I was a liar. Like I create, I would, whatever I could do to create safe for myself and a made up world is what I would say. Um, yeah. So I definitely relate to that. Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to that too, because 
that lie gives you that control. It gives you the power over your own story or it gives you a false belief that you have power over your own story or that you're telling a story. But what gets to be hard is when you start to realize, wow, what did I tell people and how was I acting? And then when you do get healing, you almost have to like go and tell them that you had been lying because it's so clearly the opposite of what you now are and who you're putting forward. Because I feel like, my brother is very similar to this as in he's always remembering the who I was before. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, you you're like you'll you're rude and you can be disrespectful and I'm like, you haven't like that's the girl that I was per- trying to portray before because I was trying to look hard. I was trying to look like a tough girl. Meanwhile, I was like this soft, very very vulnerable, sensitive person and that person never was shown out into the world. So now fast forward, that is me through and through. And everyone knows, like, if you call me, if you talk to me, I will cry with you. I'm like a mush. I can't help it. But I'm now proud to be that girl. And so my brother's always like, who are you anyways anymore? And I'm like, because he wants that old girl, that tough girl to come back out. And I'm like, you have to remember, I'm healed. I'm healing. I'm so much different than I used to be. And I'm not, that girl is not gonna like, that regurgitating reactionary girl is not going to come out anymore because I'm, I recognize there's a better way and there's a healthier way in dealing with situations. Yeah. I, I remember my brother got married 10 years ago and at the rehearsal dinner, I was a mess. I mean, he's, he's my best friend. Like he's, he's, it was just the two of us all growing up. And so we were, we're built in best friends and I cried. I mean, I just, I was talking about him at the rehearsal and I just, I lost and I had a couple like a couple of like close family friends who were like, I've never seen you cry before. And I, I laughed because I was like, Oh my gosh, I cry all the time. Um, but I get, you know, as a kid, like I didn't, you know, for those for quite a long time, like there wasn't an, like outside of my family, there was not emotion. And so it was just very, here I am, here I am. And I was there and more of a clown and yeah, just uh, a mess. Like I look back and I'm like, man, a mess. And by the time my brother had gotten married, I had already been in counseling for a little bit. And so I was already starting to deal with everything and emotions were there. And so, and I call my, like, now I'm a crier. Like I'm the person that cries at the Publix commercial with a family pulling the picnic basket out. I mean, I lose it, lose (laughs) it. Um, I will read a card and I will cry. I will read a text from a friend and I will cry and get tearied. And so, yeah, it is, it is really funny because I guess, I don't know, like, I guess we're, (laughs) we're making up for all the tears that we suppressed for so long because we lived in, like we created an alternate universe and essentially I created an alternate universe for myself to live in. And so I'm glad that I don't live there anymore. Like I'm really glad, but also at the same time, I know that's what we're going to talk about today is that there are still times that it's hard to come out of that. Um, and especially, you know, having sexual abuse in our backgrounds, like that is, we will minimize a lot of things in our lives because that's how we, that's how we literally grew up. Like we grew up minimizing things. And so we either minimize or we complete maximize. So we really go to like the opposite side. Yep. Totally. 
And so that actually brings us into why we're here today. And that is to talk about minimization of abuse. What will that do to you? We also want to talk about what are some of the consequences of false beliefs, like believing those false beliefs that we talked about or in general in life, because you're going to believe a set of false beliefs in general about who you are, about how society works, about, about how God is. You're going to have, these aren't just about sexual abuse, but in sexual abuse, if you can tweak, if you can learn how to work this out with your sexual abuse, you'll be able to work it out with all the other things that you're going on in your life. So first don't minimize your abuse. I cannot say this enough. Survivors tend to minimize their abuse. The reason a lot of times this happened is because the person who abused you may have interpreted the situation to you as it was harmless, but you cannot minimize what was a crime. You cannot minimize what was taken from you. And if you sit down for one second and think, what was taken from me? For me, my innocence was taken from me. My ability to have a worldview that was pure, that was clean, that was protected, that was what God meant for me and desired for my life was taken from me. My first sexual experience was one of taking, not of giving the way it was intended to be. It was from someone else's pleasure without my consent. So there's a lot that was taken from me. And I want you to think about those things as well. I want you to think through what affected me. What did this person take from me? And when you do that, what will I hope start happening is there a fire will light inside of you and anger will light inside of you. And in a couple of episodes, we're going to talk about healthy anger, but we don't want you to stay angry, right? We want you to, we want anger to motivate you towards action. And what that action is, is hopefully eventually forgiveness towards this person, but also action to deal with what has happened to you and to no longer block the pain of your past or deny its effects on your life. I know a lot of times survivors say, gosh, I don't want, why do I have to deal? I mean, I just had a phone call with a lady the other day who said, you know, it happened so long ago to me and it really wasn't that big of a deal. I know it was sexual abuse, but it's not that big of a deal. And I don't really have to deal with it. It doesn't affect me anymore. Now it doesn't define who I am. And I was like, Oh girl, those are not the words to say to me because I was like, no, it does affect you because look, what you're basically telling me is that that's a part of my life I don't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean with you and God? Most likely what that means is you're saying the same thing to God. I don't want you to go here in these deep, dark wounds into these holes in my heart, right? And then what are you? You're most likely a wounded person walking around. I've met so many people that have not dealt with their abuse and they ended up being a wounded person just spilling out on other people. Because they have not had the courage to deal with what's happened to them. And this, again, takes courage to not minimize. And the key to remember is regardless of the form of abuse that happened to you or how mild it may appear or how severe it may appear, it still is sexual abuse and its effects on a victim will last a lifetime. Stevie, what are your thoughts on this? I'm, 
like shaking my head yes in agreement, uh, which people can't see the video of I'm shaking my head yes. <laughs> but man, I, all of it, like literally I could, I would just reiterate every single thing that you just said. And um, I think what, I think what hurts the most about all of it is like looking back. Cause I, I totally get where that woman that you were, you know, counseling over on the phone talking to about, because there's so much of it that we want to say, no, it doesn't affect, it doesn't affect our life. It doesn't affect our life. And it's not going to affect this. It's not going to affect this. And the things that I do not think it's going to affect, it literally affects the most. And that's something that my counselor and I have talked a ton about. Um, I mean, I was just, in, I was just counseling this past Tuesday and I literally cried the entire time. I cried the entire time and everything that was going on, my counselor literally said, she's like, you, do you realize that this goes back to you as a victim? Like literally like as a victim and feeling this and you are feeling this hurt, you are feeling this sadness, you are feeling this betrayal. And this all goes, this all stems back to how you were as a child. And I think that's what's, that's what's so crazy that it, it does. It's, it's like the man, it's like blood. I mean, honestly, it's blood blood in your body. It's everywhere. It's literally in every, it's underneath all of our skin. It's flowing and it's, it literally affects every part of our body. And if you have a little bit of bad blood, it's going to affect every single part of your body. And that is how sexual abuse is as a child, an adult, whatever age it happens. It's once it's in your system, it's in your system. And you have to learn not to block it. Like, cause you can't block it. Cause whenever we do shove it down and we, which I have all, most of us will do and have done when we shove it down, we don't actually deal with it. So we actually, we just have to learn how to relit. Like I had to retrain my brain to live in this body that has hurt, that has like deep, deep hurt. I just, I've had to learn how to live. I've had to learn how to live with it. And what that, I feel like that has made me even stronger though, as a person, because now I can, whenever I handle a situation, I kind of have to go back to who I was as a child and kind of retrain myself on how to learn in that situation all over again. So yeah, it's definitely, we will minimize everything. We will minimize, we will pretend it doesn't, um, it's not there. And we do ourselves more harm by doing Mm -hmm. that, honestly. And the, um, I mean, if someone's already, if you're listening to this podcast already, you're, I think you're taking the steps that need to, like, you're taking the steps, like you're starting to take care of yourself. And that's the, that's literally the number one step of finding healing and finding restoration from this whole process is step one. Let's talk about it. Like, let's let people into the dark space. And until you let someone, until you let really like, I think it needs to be a counselor, I think it's important to let friends and whatnot. I, you you need to let friends and family in, but you need to have an outside source, which is a counselor, because um, they've got to be able to speak into that that part of your life. Which, yeah, a lot of us will not let friends and family do that, but we'll let counselors. So right. finding a really good counselor, I think it's important. Um, for me, it's finding a faith based counselor, so someone who believes the same thing that I do. So at the end of the day, they can point me back to Jesus, who loves me abundantly more than any other person, family member, whatever. He loves me so much and I need to know his love. And I need someone speaking that into me whenever we're talking about the deepest, darkest parts of my life. And I mean, 
get, get around some good people like that too. It's important to have friends that will redirect you. I have had so many conversations in the past couple of months of friends being overwhelmed with false beliefs, fears. And when I see a friend like living in the lies that culture and the world want them to believe, uh, I mean, the only answer is redirect. We need to remind them of who they are in Christ. We need to remind them of what they, if they are a believer, they have been bought. They have been, they have, their life has been bought. They are, they are covered with blood. They no longer have to live in fear of anything. The God of the universe is with you. And that's, and, and that does not make this light. That does not say like, Hey, what you've gone through has now been washed by the blood. No, that means now you, you already know who you are is what I'm saying. Now you got to do the hard work while you're here on this earth. And some of that hard work might be that you start asking questions with your family and asking questions with people that maybe were a part of this situation. And you got to remember that their responses could be in anger, could be, oh, we, we just don't talk about that. As I've shared on this podcast many times, when I started asking questions with my family, it was basically like hitting a brick wall. It was hitting non-responsive people. And I'm thinking, dad, who is my best friend in the entire world, my freaking hero is literally not listening to me when I'm telling him, or I'm trying to shed light on a little bit of stuff that has happened to me. And he's not, his heart's not breaking his little girl that he will, that my dad, I mean, everyone who knows this about my dad, my dad loves me more than he loves anything on this planet. And I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening, but this is the (laughs) truth. (laughs) And everyone knows it in my family. And, but when you start asking questions and he's like, just kind of ignoring it, it's almost like, so you have to say to yourself, what my aunt told me is super wise. Some people are not healthy to investigate what you're investigating or investing in at that time. So you're going to be inquiring about things that have happened to you in your life. And it's going to touch something in them that they're not ready to go to. And all that speaks into is that they're not healthy. So you got to remember that no matter if you, what type of feelings or what type of responses you get, do not minimize based on other people's reactions to this topic. I am telling you as a person who now shares my story, every opportunity I get, I share my story so that other people feel courage to share their story. I have not always been this confident in sharing that. I talk freely in front of my parents, in front of dinner guests, in front of my brothers, in front of their girlfriends and wives and all that stuff. And it is met often with glazed over looks. And I have, I am somebody who vibes off people and I have in the past shut my mouth and retracted because of that. And then I said to myself, what benefit is it doing me by doing that? It's not, it's basically I'm cowering to their problem, not to mine. I want to raise them to my level. My level is passion, is pursuit, is is fire on this topic. It's that important. You're that important. So when you are investigating yourself and investigating your story, keep pushing through no matter what anyone says or does and tells you to stop doing because that don't matter. 
what matters is you. What matters is your life, your future. You are, you're taking back your story. You're taking control over your life. And this is the only way to do it. Yeah. And also you do it with supportive people who will listen and believe you. And that's why we have sisters on here. That's why we do this. That's not why we just don't have Kristen on this podcast, a mental health counselor, because we need supportive people who've gone through what we've gone through, who are willing to shed light onto what they've done, what, how they've walked the road and then say, come along sister. Cause every, or sister, or brother, every one of you guys who are listening to this, you guys are our family. And now we're saying we've been there. We've been down this road, come this way. We've got a better way. And you need people who are going to support love and, and redirect you. If you start going off in like a tangent of, you know, nonsense. Stevie, we've been that for each other, right? Like Ah, we've called each other and now like, we're like, you know, you got to be that for each other and you need that friend who's going to say, dude, you're thinking false right now. (laughs) Yeah. I, man, I get, (laughs) I just keep on it like agreeing because I'm like, literally you're taking the words right out of my mouth on all of this. And it is, it's surrounding yourself with people having, actually, I just read something I think yesterday, uh, someone that I follow on, on social media had posted, she's not a counselor, but she's, well, she's like a Christian. She's a, like a Christian count, like a Christian counselor, but not like a licensed, mar- like not a licensed counselor, but she's like a, a interfaith, like, okay. Yeah. 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 Coach, faith, like, yeah. Um, but she had posted that, you know, you go to counseling to deal with the people who don't go to counseling. And I, I wrote her back and I was like a hundred percent, like half the time, whenever we're talking, like and I'm, when I'm talking about stuff in counseling, it's usually, I'm talking about someone or something that's like, and that person doesn't, doesn't do, do doesn't do counseling themselves. And so sometimes a lot of the issue is like, I'm taking care of myself. I'm trying to be the best I possibly can, the healthiest I possibly can. But sometimes the people in my life are not doing that for themselves. Like they're not taking care of themselves. And so whenever they come and talk to me or whenever we have a disagreement or something like that, or some something, a lot of it is because they're not like there's, we're hitting a wall at the end of the day. Like we're just going to hit a wall against each other. So having people in our lives that can, that we can be honest with, um, that we can push back against. And that's huge. Um, I remember whenever I first started, whenever I first started counseling and it was such a, it was brutal. Like it was really, really brutal. I was really, you know, opening up my life to, it's like, I had put this, it was like a basement that I didn't want to go into. And I'd pretty much covered and locked the door and then poured cement over it. And I just wouldn't let anyone in. I just was like, Nope, it's down there. I know it's down there, but I just don't talk about what's down there. And I had to let a couple friends like in into it. And my, my best friend, um, man, she was amazing. She still is amazing and has been so supportive. And whenever I first started counseling though, I would leave, I I would go to counseling on Fridays whenever I first started every Friday and neither of us worked on Fridays and most day, most times I would get done with counseling and I would call her as soon as I got done, she kind of knew whenever I was going to, you know, she knew when I was going and I'd call her on my way home. And it was during, like during the summer, we'd meet up at the pool and we would just like, st- we'd sit or like stand at the edge of the pool and just 
chat. And like, I would just, I would literally debrief her on everything that I had just talked about at counseling and she would listen to me. And then she would, every now and then she would say something, you know, like she wasn't like she was giving advice, but she was just more encouraging and loving me in that moment. And that's what I needed. Like, that is what I needed. That first year of counseling, like I needed someone that could, I could honestly just debrief with after counseling. Um, and someone who was going to love me no matter what, and wasn't going to like, wasn't judging me because of my past or because of who I was because of my past. Um, and like literally loving me right where I was at. And then I started letting more people in. It's like, you know, more people, more people, and then letting friends in also like you who have also been through very, who've been through, I mean, our stories, Nicole and I stories line up very, it's almost like a parallel road, um, on a lot of this stuff. And it's a little freaky, honestly. And, (laughs) but it is, it's having, I will say like I, in the last few years, I have, I have more people in my life who have sexual abuse as a, as a past. And I will, it's hard, but it's also really good because that at the end of the day, we know the statistics and we know that you know, what is it? Or one out of, are we at one out of three girls now by the time they're 18? Yeah. But I mean, so it's like that that's based on 12% reporting. So, so we know it's way more than that. We know. And that's like, that's, I mean, that's scary. That's sad. That's horrific. Um, and I will say like, being because both of us are very outspoken on social media and whatnot about our past, we have a lot more people coming to us, um, telling us their stories and which I'm, I'm thankful to be in this position that, that women and men feel comfortable to share things like even over social media and the very, like the very first two things I say to them, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. I'm so sorry this has happened to you. And now you need to find a counselor. And then you need to let your friends in and you need to let your family in and you can't walk this road alone. Like we are not, we're not supposed to walk this road alone at all anyways, but especially the false beliefs will come into play. Like there's no tomorrow. Like I, I, there are, there are still many days that I wake up and I'm like, man, this is a dark cloud just over top of me. And it's false beliefs. It's a lot of false beliefs that I have to retell myself like, no, you are worth it. You do deserve this. You are loved. Um, but it's having those people in our lives, like saying that. And so that's why I always tell people, I'm sorry that this happened. Please find a counselor and then let your family and friends in. And we, we can talk more about that. We'll talk more about that too. But I think that's just, that's the, that's the biggest thing is like, you got to have people walking right by you. Cause if you're not walking, like whenever you fall into a hole, who's going to pick you up. Right. Amen. So true. So there are consequences of believing false beliefs. So the first one is low self-esteem. So sometimes victims believe or think that they do not deserve respect. They often feel dirty. They sometimes um, prevent having relationships in their life because they don't want to be abused again. I know a lot of, I've heard this a lot, which is, you know, oh, I don't have any friends. I I don't have friends. And, and, you know, the Bible talks about this, but this is just like natural duh, which is if you want friends, you need to be a friend, right? Like you can't just, 
You have to get out and be friends with people. That means text them, see how they're doing, see how. And a lot of times survivors will internalize and they'll not want to reach out because they don't want to get hurt again. And what they're doing is they're isolating themselves even more and fueling that false belief and fueling their low self-esteem. So you got to break that. You got to find a way to reach out to people, be there for them, ask people how they're doing with no motivation of wanting to know if one of them asking you how you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes survivors think that they do not to have any of their needs met in a healthy way, right? They, they think that they don't deserve a friend. They think that they don't deserve um, somebody coming and doing nice things for them. Or if you're married, you know, telling your husband that these are some of the things that you need. Like for me, I have to tell my husband often what I need from you right now is to listen. And if my husband didn't do that, right. And he just disrespected me and keep doing, kept not listening. Self low self-esteem would tell me, well, you don't deserve to be listened to. You know, meanwhile, I'm like ready to punch the guy in the face because I'm like, you need to be listening to me. I deserve respect. So there's a balance, right? Of like not being like arrogant and being like, um, what's like intrude, like, like where you're forcing yourself onto people too. Mm -hmm. So there's a balance. Self-esteem provides the ability to acknowledge both our strengths and our weaknesses, to see ourselves as people with value and meaning. You know, I always interview people and I ask them, so tell me some of your strengths. Tell me some of your weaknesses. They'll spend about 15 minutes telling me about their weaknesses and I'm waiting for their strengths. When somebody walks into a meeting and they, and I ask that question and they're like, my strengths are, and they're confidently saying, you know, I, I like to show up on time. I like to be there for people. I'm super loyal. I'm super passionate. I'm like, okay, I'm dealing with somebody who's taking, you know, who's on a different level. The rest of the world wants you to focus on all the things you don't have, all the things that are negative. When you can, you can stand out from the crowd by just simply focusing on the good that you bring to the world and the value and meaning that you have by being a created human being in this world. You're so important. So many children, teenagers, and adult survivors have problem with body image. Um, I hear this often where women cannot look in the mirror at themselves, or if they do, they're nitpicking every single thing. I learned at an early age and thank God for a good dad, but I, I was going on this path of like nitpicking my body and my dad forced me to look into the mirror and said, what do you see? And I was like, well, like, you know, going down that path. Well, do you want to know what I see? And it was, I see a confident woman. I see a beautiful woman because my dad didn't want me to just focus on my outer looks because those are fading, right? You're not going to always have beauty, but when you are a stunning person from internally and you are beautiful from the inside, that glows. When I meet people and they just exude hospitality, I'm like, oh my gosh, this person is so beautiful. And they may not be the most stunning person in the room. Then you've got somebody who's not very attractive or who's super attractive and who's just like not very attractive inward because they're maybe so self-absorbed or whatever. That person is not that beautiful. So focus more on your internal heart 
see that first, see the things that God sees, and then focus on your outward, which is your body. It is your, it's everything about you. And when you look at yourself, don't focus on, gosh, I'm so fat or gosh, I'm so thin or gosh, I wish this little spot right here wasn't so whatever it is. Don't grab your belly and like say things. And I have friends who do that. They're self-deprecating constantly. And I'm like, what is that? What benefit is that for you? Like, how does that help you to do that? Because what you're doing is you're believing the lies that about your body too. Have anything you want to add here, Stevie? I agree. Um, again, <laughs> everything. I, I'm right there with you. And we we are always going to be our hardest, like our hardest critics on ourselves. Like that's just that is. It doesn't matter what is in your past. Like you will always be incredibly hard on yourself. And I always find it like actually, I'll mention my best friend again. She is one of the most positive people I've ever met. And even like in a hard like season, still very positive. I mean, she's definitely taking it in whenever it's it's a it's a tough season. But I have learned what I learned a what I've learned from her a ton, especially in the last decade and a half, is having that mindset of nope, you're worthy, you're loved, you're worthy, you're loved. And sometimes I and I man, I am I am. I am really good at doubting Uh, doubt is probably one of the biggest things. Like I it's, it's like my doubt of unbelief. Like I doubt this, I doubt that I doubt this, I doubt that. And that's something that my best friend has really taught me um, to not like, to not doubt the love, like to really, at the end of the day, like doubt, not doubt the love. Like I am loved, I am cared for. And I have to, I've just had to re I've had to retrain my heart and I've had to retrain my brain to, to, to hear it, to know it. And then to like, feel it, um, deep, like deep, 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 deep in my bones. Um, but we will always be hard on ourselves. Like that's just, that's gonna, we're always going to be, we're always going to be super hard on ourselves, but it is, you know, it's like, whether you've got to take a marker, I've, I've had to do this myself. Like there've been times where I'm like, I'm just being too hard on myself. And I've taken a, I've taken a marker and I have written a Bible verse right across my mirror, big and bold on my full size mirror and my mirror in the bathroom, wherever I'm spending the most time that I would, I should be rather, I rather me looking at myself, just looking at scripture. So while I'm brushing my teeth, like I'm going to put a Bible verse. It's going to remind me that I am loved, that I'm cared for, that I'm a child of God. Um, and that's how I've got to retrain. That's got. To, that's how I've got to retrain my head. I've got to retrain my self-esteem, um, my lack of self-esteem at times through scripture. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. Is like the only person at the end of the day who is going to show us abundantly abundant love is God. And totally. so we've got to put that. We've got to put that back into our lives. And I'm now preaching to myself because I was being super hard on myself the other day, just with some. St- I mean, some just stupid stuff. I mean, stupid stuff. And I have a blue magic marker or blue, like, you know, window marker that's in that it's actually right next to my toothbrush so that it's really fast for me to write scripture. Or, um, a lot of times, like I've written, uh, my strengths on the mirror, you know, like, okay, CD, you are strong. You are courageous. You are a loyal friend. You are loving. You are a really good auntie. Like you're a really good daughter. You're a really good friend. Like just, I've had to write those things. I think that 
write scripture, but then also write some great character, like some things that you think you're freaking awesome about yourself, write that on the mirror so that you see that before you really even see the, per, you know, because like you can look in the mirror and you can still see yourself through all that writing, but you see the writing first off. And so I think that we need to, re- that's what we need to remind ourselves is like, there's a lot more to us than just what meets the eye right away. And so being mm-hmm. able to see kind of past that, and I'm a big visual person. So that's why I have a lot of tattoos. Uh, like they're my visual reminder of like who I am and where I am and what I am doing with my life. And then, you know, or it's writing on my mirror. And yeah. I used to carry index cards when I was younger. Like that's how I would carry, Bi- I'd carry like a Bible verse on an index card in my back pocket. So much so that the index card would be, oh my gosh, almost like lint in my back pocket. Cause I would be folding it and unfolding it so many times throughout the day, just like, re- or just trying to remember scripture, like just trying to put that back into, into my life. And at the end of the day, um, it's God, it's God. Who's going to, who's going to love us more. And we've just got to, we've got to be submerged in that. Totally. And I want to add that if you do not love something about yourself, what are you doing about it? So it could be if you are, if you're overweight, and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, gosh, I'm so heavy. Um, you say mean things like I'm fat, I'm disgusting or whatever. My question to you is, are you happy there? And if you're not, what are you doing about it to make yourself a better person? Are you picking up working out? Are you making, are you creating disciplines in your life that will help you see yourself better? Because the biggest empowerment tool I can possibly hand to somebody is get a disciplined workout schedule and commit to it for three months. I was a personal trainer for many years. Most of my friends know this. And I will say to anyone that I see struggling, start a workout program that will, because you'll take back control of your life in many ways, but don't be an addict with workout either. Cause I know survivors can tend to go into this eating disorder type thing. And then they start working out and then they start losing weight. Meanwhile, they haven't worked on their mind and they still see themselves as fat, even though they're like anorexic. So again, work on your mind, work on your soul and then work on your body. I mean, do all three, if you can do them all at the same time. Great. And obviously We're just giving you some things here to help you live a better, healthier life. We don't expect you to tomorrow. I I mean, I would love it if you did, but we don't expect you tomorrow to pick up like being a marathon runner, all of a sudden tweak all your eating and then sign up for counseling. Like if you, if you do that, cool, man, that's what works. But if you're not able to do that and you have to take small steps towards that, then that's great too. I tell my husband all the time. He's he's he used to run with me. He was like my goat. He was my partner in running. And now he's not been running and he's trying to get back and exercising. And I'm like, start small, babe. All you got to do is commit to two days a week. Let's start there, right? So if it's two walks, commit to that. Something I do every week and you can't see because, but Stevie can see, I literally write down my to-dos every single day. I do it every Sunday. I write it out for the week. 
I make room for non, not like already pre things that were on this schedule, but I put, I, these are, this is the day that I'm running three miles. This is the day that I'm doing chest. This is the day I'm doing back. This is my eating schedule today. I know I'm going to be going out that night. So I'm going to not eat this thing that day, right? It helps me to have control over my weeks and my days. Clearly I have buffers and I can have space for it. I'm, I'm allowed to make, you know, do whatever I want within those days, but it helps me stay, stay on track. Maybe that's something you do is start getting yourself organized. So again, one other thing that we just want to talk about is that low self-esteem is an attitude about herself. An attitude can be changed. I know we've talked about this on this podcast so many times. If you've learned an attitude, you can relearn a different attitude. I say that as somebody who used to never wave at people when I walked by them. It was a part of who I was. I did not want to wave at people. Now I go out of my way to wave at people because I got a conviction in my heart that when I'm walking past people, I'm not honoring them as a person who's living, breathing, walking past me. I don't know what they went through. Maybe a smile could make them feel better today. And so I started doing it and people weren't waving back. But guess what? That didn't change my pursuit. My pursuit was to make people feel loved. It wasn't if they make me feel loved back. So I now wave at everybody. And my husband is like laughing at me all the time because he's like, I'm like, hi, hello. And he's like, who are you? But it's it's a changed behavior. And so I have I used to be somebody who was like, it's really hard to change behaviors. And now I'm like, if you're determined and you really want to change, you're going to absolutely change. And you're not set. So if right now you're struggling with something, how about say, to yourself, I'm not struggling with this. I'm going to overcome this. I'm an overcomer and just start making efforts to overcome certain things. So the last thing on the low self-esteem that we want to say is God can transform our feelings of helplessness and of hopelessness to affirmations and determinations from condemnation and self-hatred to self-affirmation and love. You just have to want these things. You have to want and desire them. And I'm not saying like you want them so bad that you, what's that book, The Secret, where you like make it happen. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a determination in your heart to change these things. But first with prayer, you have to go to God and say, God, I desperately need you to change my heart change the way my heart's seeing the world, change the way my heart's seeing myself. I desperately need your spirit, Lord, to change my responses, to change how I view myself and help me. And I, I promise you, God will not, that prayer is a prayer of an earnest heart, of a heart of, of teachability. And God will honor that, I promise. Stevie, did you want to add something here? No, I mean, you closed up perfectly, I think, for, for self-esteem. I mean, of course, it's a, a topic that can be talked about forever and ever. But at the end of the day, it's what I was just talking about, too, and then you closed off, and it's like you've just got to let God into that. You've got to let no, – everything can be changed. Like, everything really can be changed. Nothing, I, Honestly, nothing is permanent. Like, the only thing that is permanent is that God loves you, 
other than that, like pretty much everything can get changed. Um, I love that you said that. I love that. We needed that right now. Can we get an amen? (laughs) I mean, I hate to get like super, super Pentecostal church up in here, but that's the truth. Yeah, it really is. And it's like, there's nothing will change. Nothing will change about God's love for you, but everything else will literally change. Like every... I mean, I'm not, I'm not married. You're married. You can probably speak to this even more, but it's like your love for your husband has changed. Like you love him more, but it's just a different love now. Like, I kind of think that with like, you fall more in love. Um, you know, it's like, I think about like friendships, like your friendships have like, there's something at the very beginning, but by the end, you know, or as we get older, like they've matured and they're just a difference. Like, you know, back in the day we wrote, like, that was like road trips and doing all this crazy fun stuff. And now it's, you know, it's my best friend just had twins. It's sitting on the couch and holding a baby. Like it's, it's that, like that friendships change. Like they just look different. Um, but the one consistent thing in our lives is that God loves us so, so freaking much. Um, and whenever we choose to let him into these dark, dirty places in our lives that we want to hide and put, you know, like I said, like my, my sexual abuse was like down in the basement forever. And I closed, you know, I closed off that door. There was no entrances in, I I knew it was down there, but I didn't want to talk about it. But the second we let God into that space, he will help change that space for the better. And it's, and it's what we're doing right now. It's what you and I are doing talking to the masses that we get to share what the Lord has done in our lives and how, how we have changed for the better. Um, and also how we've learned things. It's like, okay, that wasn't so great in my life, but I'm going to change that. Like I am going to be a better person because of this. Um, yeah. That's a great point, Stevie. And I'm so grateful that you brought that up. Um, actually, this is a great place to stop here uh, because we have two more points that we want to bring up, but they're really awesome. And we want to talk about them next time because I think it's important to um, let people consider everything that we just talked about today because it's it's a lot of stuff and it's heavy stuff and we want you to really sit in this and to you know think through it and actually go to God and say I learned some things on this podcast today how does this apply to my life and trust me these words I mean we're not sitting here thinking like we're from God but what no. we are thinking is that you know we prayed over this we pray over you And we know that the words that are coming out of our mouth, sometimes we'll ask ourselves, we don't even, we don't even know where that came from. And a lot of it is Holy Spirit driven. So that means that when you're listening to this, there's something that God wanted to say to you. There's a reason why you're here. This wasn't just an accident that you're listening to this episode today. Um, And so take whatever you learned today Bring it to God and ask him, how can he use this information, these challenges that we're asking you to consider? How can they be applied in your own life? So next month, we are going to have guilt, shame, and then we're going to leave you with ways that you can be set free and how you can get rid of these false beliefs and replace them with truth. Good. I was just going to close out just again with just that. everything that we talked about again, like just like Nicole said, like there's just so much to chew on and swallow. Literally you got to chew it up and swallow it up and, and let it settle. 
and then invite someone else in. I think at the end of the day for this is just, if you haven't found that safe person in your life, like find a, choose a friend. And, and also, and I, my, I think my biggest thing for saying that too, is like, don't be scared to scare off your friend. Um, I think that's also like, that's a big fear that I like that I had that I would say too much and that my friends would not want to like be a part of my story. And I couldn't take, I, I needed to let them make that decision. I couldn't take that decision from them. And so I would just tell my friends, I'm like, Hey, listen, can I talk to you about some stuff? And they're like, Oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'm like, and if it's just too much, like, just tell me like, but it's gotta be on them. Like I, they need to be able to say if it's too much or not. But you know what? None of my friends have said it's too much. They have listened. They have cried with me. They have sat there with me. And that means the world to me. It really means the world to me that friends will sit there. They'll sit there. They'll listen. They'll cry. um, They'll speak like whenever they feel like they really have something that, that needs to be heard. Like they'll say that to me and I receive it. I think that's also the hardest thing is like, you just have to receive it. Um, and then you have to also receive the Lord's love and cause we know that he loves us, but we also have to receive that. And if we're not going to receive that, we're not going to feel it. So. Yeah, totally. I love that you close with that. It's such a great reminder. I mean, it even, you know, as healthy as we have become, it's still a great reminder that this life should not be done alone. Mm-hmm. And that just because I'm married does not mean that I have a hundred percent ear listening all the time from my husband. Yes, he's there. Yes. And maybe your husband is like mine where it's like he works and he's not able to be there all the time. And he's a guy and it's like, he doesn't get it sometimes. So find those friends who can listen and, and find those friends who can help you process some of these things, you know, who are not going to be yes people and just constantly like fill you with fluff. You want those people who are willing to challenge you too. I have, I know who my go-to people are with that challenge thing that I'm talking about. And when I want to hear hard truths and I text them or call them and I know it's coming. And when they hit me with stuff, I'm like, okay, that's true. And I have to receive, just like you said, because I open my, I open my heart up to what could be there. And every time I have to be honest, it has steered me in a direction that was only great, only good. Yeah. It's the, the truth hurt. It's like, it's the same, like the truth hurts and it really does. It does. Like it really, really does, but it's truth. And that's the thing. It's like the end of the day, it's truth. And we need truth more in our lives than anything else. Um, and so anyone that's going to be able to speak truth over you receive, like it's super hard where you're talking to two very tough females right now. You're listening to two very tough females talk about this. And like, it is, it is hard. Like insert F like the, F word right there. Like it is hard to hear truth, to receive truth. But whenever you start receiving and you hear it and you start implementing it, like letting it in, like just really like manifest, like sit in there. It is life-changing. It really is life-changing. But that will be one of the hardest things is, is hearing it and receiving it. Amen. Well, all right, guys, we love you so very much. Thank you so much for being here. I cannot, I mean, honestly, we have thought about so many different things like, oh, are these effective? Do we still want to do these? And every time, you know, I keep hearing you're small, but mighty. And and maybe that's a word for you too. I don't know what's going on in your life and, and things like that, but 
we may not, it may be just 10 people that we're affecting and hearing this and, and, and encouraging today. We're cool with that. We don't care. We just want you to feel like you're a part of this sisterhood, a part of this family, that you matter, that your story matters, and that you can take back control of your life. So if you think somebody could benefit from this episode, please share it with them. Please give us a rating. Let us know. Even if it's a one star, we don't care. We want to know actually if we are effective. So again, we love you guys and we will see you next time on episode 43. Bye. Yeah. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. Maybe even consider rating the podcast or share it with one of your friends. It really makes all the difference. For more content from Trees of Hope and to connect with us, go to treesofhope.org. We love you. Bye.